Welcome everyone to Ask Anarchan. This is our podcast series where we sit down with one of our experts to talk about an aspect of the work that we do here at Natural Resources Canada. Today we'll be speaking with Heather Detman, a scientist whose work involves diluted bitumen. Now before we start, I just want to mention that we call this series Ask Anarchan because we want to hear from you. The purpose of the show is to share with you the audience, not only the type of science that we do, but also why we do it. So at the end of the episode, if you have any questions on this topic, please go on Twitter and tweet at us using the hashtag AskAnarchan. Heather will do her best to answer all relevant questions. Sounds good? Okay, let's get into it. Heather, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Can you start by explaining to us what is diluted bitumen or dilbit? Okay, for sure. I guess it'd be helpful for people to, to get an idea, really, what, it, what are crude oils in general. And uh, a, a useful way to think of a crude oil of, of any type is that it contains a mixture of gasoline, diesel, bunker B, and asphalt. So most people will be very familiar with what gasoline and diesel are, and, and the bunker B is just a fuel oil that's a bit heavier than what diesel is, and then finally the asphalt. Asphalt's what's on the roads. And so whatever crude oil, um, all crude oils are made up of that, that mixture, and uh, conventional crude has, has a fair bit of the gasoline and diesel components and a smaller amount of the asphalt in it and diluted bitumen um, has more of the, the heaviest component of the asphalt and less of the diesel and the gasoline. Um, and, and really, they, they have all those components. And just to compare, uh, the bitumen, um, it had been a full-range crude at one point in its history, uh, but with geological changes in Alberta, um, it became close enough to the surface and became biodegraded so that the gasoline and, and diesel components ended, uh, some of the diesel components ended up being uh, eaten by the microbes in the ground so that now uh, the bitumen itself is missing its gasoline. And um, so to make the diluted bitumen, um, the light oils that include gasoline and, and other parts of the petroleum are added to the, to the bitumen to make the diluted bitumen. And so specifically the dill bit is one of the products, one of the diluted bitumens uh, that's made by adding uh, a light oil called uh, uh, condensate, CRW condensate, and uh, that, that makes up for that, those light ends that were missing. Uh, there's also other products though that if they have, they can have synthetic crude oil mixed with it, and then uh, would be a syn bit. And if you have a mixture of the condensate and, and synthetic crude oil, then that's a dill syn bit. So, so dill bit is just one of the products. I see. So why, why is there a need to actually mix the crude oil with a, 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 like a lighter product? Well, the need is, is that uh, to transport it by pipeline, the, the oil needs to meet uh, certain density and viscosity specifications. And so, so the lighter oils, you know, whatever they are, are added so that they can, uh, so that the final diluted bitumen product meets the pipeline specifications. And so, um, so that actually, so on one hand, it's, it's an advantage or it's necessary for the pipeline. But the other, on the other hand, that also makes it a full range crude so that when it, actually is received by the, the refinery that has ordered for the product. Um, and, and that's actually an aspect of this. It's not just sent somewhere to be stored. 
Um, it's actually being purchased by refineries at the other end of the pipeline. Uh, and they need certain mixtures of different kinds of um, crude oils to be used in the refinery so that they can then make the amounts of gasoline and a diesel and asphalt that they need for their products out the other end of the refinery. And so by having the light oil added to the bitumen, it's now become a full range crude and so can be handled the same as all the other crudes um, by the refinery and can be used in that kind of blending and processing, uh, re-engineering that they do in the, in the refinery to make the slate of transportation fuels and, and uh, products like asphalt that that particular refinery is using. I see. Speaking of transportation, um, is transporting Dilbit any different than transporting any other types of crude oil or gases? Well, for oils, um, you know, going into the pipeline, it, it, the diluted bitumen uh, has no higher um, dangers or concerns than, than uh, for other types of petroleum products when they're in pipelines. Uh, there had been concern in the past about whether uh, it might be more corrosive, but uh, research has shown that it, it is not uh, in comparing different types of products. Um, gases are kind of a different story, but in terms of the liquids, uh, you know, comparing different kinds of crudes, they, they, they all have similar kinds of uh, risk factors. I see. That makes sense, really. Uh, obviously, uh, gases much fl- must flow much easier down pipelines. Um, so, and in our can, what type of research are we doing involving diluted bitumen? Well, at, at, at National Resources Canada, we, we have uh, our, our original expertise has to do with, with understanding petroleum and, and heavy oil, and uh, specifically, with, say, with oil sands production. Uh, the kinds of issues they can have when during production, as well as um, as it's being handled in the refinery, uh, if there's any kinds of um, you know trying to improve processes so that they will um, you know be lower energy processes or uh, imp- reduce environmental impacts of things like tailings ponds and and uh, water quality and you know all these various kinds of uh, topics around. Uh, the petroleum industry for producing all crude oils, and but we focus mostly on the oil sands area. Um, and so, with all all of that, we have that background knowledge of of oil. And since 2013, we've actually built up facilities now to be able to measure, um, to actually monitor, study, um, develop knowledge towards oil spill behavior. And to do that, we have both lab facilities as well as uh, spill test tank facilities. That's interesting. I actually, I think I saw one of the videos on the uh, NRCAN YouTube channels. Um, it's exactly with that, that wave tank and the type of research and uh, tests that you do. That seems like a very interesting work. Yeah, well, it's actually, it's, uh, it's very uh, difficult to be re- um, simulating oil spill tests uh, especially just in the lab, because, say, a standard technique that they use, which is, uh, they call them rotary jars, where it's a jar, and you put your water in, and you add your oil, and you spin it. Uh, the, the key problem with that particular technique is that there's no evaporation. Um, because it's a closed system, the, the light ends of the oil stays in it. And while when you're out in a spill situation, very quickly those light ends would evaporate, and so 
So the oil is changing constantly as it's in the water in whatever environment it's in. And so, um, so to have a closed jar system is, is you can only have a few variables at play when, um, when, but if you're in a real spill situation, I, I sort of joke with my group that we have 15 variables going simultaneously and, and so we're trying to, to do studies in a kind of a systematic way so we can actually um, be able to identify the mechanisms that are involved as the oil is changing in the water um, with whatever sediment, with whatever energy, with whatever uh, type of oil. And what, as, we, as we do this, we, we actually are benchmarking, like comparing our tests uh, between conventional crude and different types of diluted bitumen. Um, and then as well, because we have all that background petroleum um, capability. We have, we're like a little mini refinery ourselves where we have the different types of processes where we can change the oil like what goes on in, in a refinery. So we can actually do specific uh, processing to the, to the bitumen before making a, a diluted bitumen out of it to see how that affects the behavior. And so with that, we're coming up with a, a pr you know, we're really filling in sort of a, a, a good map of what kind of molecules in the oil causes which kind of behavior under which kind of condition. And so w with our conditions, we can actually do temperatures. So we actually commissioned our tank to have ice on it this past winter so that going forward we'll be able to do sort of winter, you know, spring thaw kind of situations or f fall freezing situations or uh, really try to get at those different kinds of temperature conditions that we certainly have in Canada. I see. Do you uh, also do any form of more real-life testings as well, or it's more in the controlled environment? We actually are supporting research that's going on out in the field. So there are tests uh, being conducted in, uh, in the uh, experimental lakes area in Ontario, the IISD uh, experimental lakes area uh, in Ontario, where we are... Um, supporting that research that's going on. So we, we ourselves don't have a lake or a, an ocean front that we're working with, but uh, we're certainly collaborating with others as they are able to do that. So Heather, what type of research are you planning to do in the future? Well, with the Oceans Protection uh, Plan funding that, that we've received, um, we, we're actually want, we're stretching beyond our own um, capabilities. Uh, what we're finding here, as, as I mentioned, it's that 15 variable kind of uh, situation when you have a spill. And what you can have going on simultaneously is, is not only the oil changing because of, say, evaporation uh, and viscosity changes because as it evaporates, but there's also a bacteria that can be present. The microbes in the water uh, can actually eat the oil, so the oil is actually changing as it is in the water. and that can influence what kind of, what parts, how much of the oil can be actually dissolved into the water, and that could ultimately affect toxicity. And so from understanding all this, we, we are using our Oceans Protection Plan uh, funding to, to develop collaborations with toxicologists, first of all, who will, uh, as we do our test, we, we monitor the chemistry and, and see what the oil's doing and how it disperses between the water uh, and how water phase, sediment phase, um, and how much evaporates. Um, 
So we are getting that sort of chemical information, but at the same time, with time, we are taking samples from the water and actually shipping it to toxicologists who are then testing the way um, how that water is uh, affects their their fish or their uh, organisms that live in sediment or whatever you know kind of biota that that um, might be impacted by an oil spill, and as well uh, collaborating with someone who who will actually help us track the the changes in microbial populations with having the oil there. And so, really, we're we're with our, which with our tests, we're trying to get as much information as possible. Uh, simultaneously, so we can really tell what affects what, when, after an oil spill. And this is, uh, people know that, that the most toxic part for an oil spill is just immediately, because that's when the light ends are there, which that gasoline fraction uh, is the part that will have the, the, the BTEX, the, the benzene, toluene, ethyl benzene, xylenes. Uh, that's that's very toxic to begin with, but we have much less understanding of the effect of the polyaromatic hydrocarbons, the PAHs, um, and so with this, we we because we're in a tank, we can have our test. Uh, we've done tests up to four weeks, and so we can actually monitor that sort of shift from from effects from BTEX to effects from PAHs and how they will change with with time, and so. Um, so over the next four years, we, we hope to pr provide a fair bit of new knowledge in, in that whole interrelationship of oil weathering, oil biodegradation, and the toxicity of the water simultaneously. Wow, um, this is really, really interesting research for sure. Thank you so much, Heather, for educating us on diluted bitumen. Oh, well, thank you very much for this opportunity. This is the end of the episode, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of the conversation. If you have any follow-up questions for Heather, get on Twitter and tweet at us using the hashtag AskNRCan. Also, if you're interested in learning more about the scientific work that we do here at Natural Resources Canada, check out our online magazine called Simply Science. We have a ton of great content for you, including articles, videos, and previous episodes of this podcast. If you check out the podcast page for this specific episode, we'll have links available to any relevant material so you can learn more about diluted bitumen. The best way to find Simply Science is either to Google it or click on the banner from our website at www.nrcan.gc.ca. And as always, if you like this episode and you're listening to us on either Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, please consider subscribing so you can check out any previous or future episodes. I think that's it for today. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.